Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 28th, 2017. And we have some really nice size slates for the next few days of basketball. A lot of slates, like six to eight games. And that's like my favorite size slate. There's not like too many choices, but then it's also just enough games. It usually ends up being a few value plays. So I think these will be a good next few days. First game on the slate, the San Antonio Spurs at the Orlando Magic. And right off the bat, this is a game that I don't really have a ton of interest in. LaMarcus Aldridge has been really good this year, but he's priced all the way up to 8200 now. And then from the Orlando side of the game, we have um, Aaron Gordon's back now. So that means less touches for Vucevic, who had all those ridiculous games before. Um, and Alfred Payton out, so a little more usage for Evan Fournier. But still, those guys are priced up, and the matchup's really difficult against San Antonio. So not really a lot of interest in either side. How about for you, Matt? No, I don't have a ton of interest in either side either. I guess someone between Vucevic and Gordon will probably have a good game. The prices there aren't too cheap, though, and they're definitely negatively correlated players. But I wouldn't want to use Gordon any, anyway because I think his ownership will be pretty high after he was the highest-scoring player a couple nights ago. And Vucevic is just its a tough matchup for him. So I think I'm off this game completely uh, unless something changes, maybe if Kawhi Leonard ends up playing. But as of now, I think it's, it's just a fade. I will mention, though, that there's um, some line movement on the Vegas over-under. It's gone up from 204.5 to 207.5. So there is sharp money on the over, but I think that's only because the total was set too low. And 207.5 is still not that high of a number. There are some games on this slate with much higher totals. So even though defense might be overvalued here, it's still not enough to make these guys that usable. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Just not really a great game, only 207.5 total. The next game on the slate, Houston Rockets at the Charlotte Hornets. This is a, a revenge game, hashtag revenge game for Dwight Howard uh, because he's played on so many teams now that every other game is a revenge game for him at this point in his career. Uh, I think this is a really strong spot for both teams. I think this is a good stackable game. James Harden only 11000 I think it's a little bit too cheap for him. And then Clint Capella at 6500 I think he's a solid play. Ryan Anderson at 4400 Eric Gordon at 6900 I think that's a pretty fair price. Uh, but it kind of depends on, like, do you believe that the amount of usage he has right now and his role in the offense is going to keep up? Because he's only shooting 40% from the field. So it's not like he's doing some kind of unsustainable shooting. He's just playing a ton of minutes. He has the ball in his hands a lot. And he's kind of taken over the role that Chris Paul was supposed to take in this offense. So I don't think he's, like, a great play at 6,900, but I think he's in play. Um, I think Harden and Capella, I like that correlation. I think that's a good way to go for this game, especially for GPPs. And then from the Charlotte side of the game, uh, Dwight Howard at 7,100. I think that's okay. And then Jeremy Lamb at 5,700. I think that's solid. I'm going to check what his minutes have been in the last few games. He had 38 minutes, 34 minutes, and then only 29 minutes in the last game, but it was because it was a blowout. So Michael Kidd Gilchrist is back now, except he's still on a minutes restriction. I think he's expected to play, I think it was like 18 to 20 minutes for tomorrow, but that's not definite. But either way, Jeremy Lamb should still play a ton of minutes because Michael Kidd Gilchrist not unrestricted at this point in time. So on your Eric Gordon point, I don't see how his usage could keep up. He's playing on a team with James Harden, so for him to be among the league leaders in usage rate, I think it's just a bit of a fluke. Um, I guess he's been shooting well in a couple games, so they've fed him more, and that's resulted in him 
having higher usage than he'll probably have the rest well, of the year. Let me, let me just ask you one question really quick, though. Look at the Rockets' line, because Harden still has a really high usage rate. Harden's usage is literally the exact same as it was last year. He has a 34.7% usage rating this year. It was 34.1 last year, so even a little higher this year. Look at the Rockets' lineup. If Eric Gordon isn't getting usage, who is who's handling the ball outside of Harden on that team? No, I Look guess the, the roster. I guess that's fair because they really don't have ball dominant players anymore. Lou Williams was someone last year who would have the ball in his hands a lot, but he's on the Clippers now. Um, Ryan Anderson, I would guess, has had low usage this year. Do you have that in front of you? Because maybe he ends up taking more shots than than what Gordon's been taking. Um, I guess it's fair until Chris Paul comes back that Gordon would be a high usage player. So I, I'll agree, it's a decent spot for him. If you're stacking the game, I mean, he's he's one guy to definitely use. And his usage probably also is up with Trevor Ariza not playing. Uh, Ariza shoots a lot of threes. I think he's out for this game also. Yes, yeah, Ariza's out. So it's kind of a depleted roster where some of the starters may be scoring more than they will probably see the rest of the year. So at least for the short term, I'm, I guess I'll buy into Eric Gordon a little bit. And then Harden and Capella for sure. The Hornets should start playing better defensively with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in the lineup. He's on a minutes restriction, so maybe not right away. But there's some impact of him being there for even if it's only 20 minutes out of the game. He probably ends up guarding James Harden for some of it. So I'm a little down on the Rockets. It's it's a slower game than they're normally playing in. But I do like the Hornets a lot, so I would I would pair the Rockets with them in a full game stack. But if I had to pick which side I prefer, it is the Hornets. And then I think there's a bit of sharp money on Charlotte also. They've dropped from plus three to plus two and a half, despite all of the heavy public bets going on the Rockets. 86% of the spread bets and 67% of the money line bets so far are on Houston. So Charlotte is seeing some pretty strong reverse line movement. And that's an indicator that I think the public could be undervaluing them. So I like both sides. I like Charlotte a little bit more, and that's probably about it. So next game on the slate, Denver at Atlanta. And we have a really curious case with Denver because they were a top five pace team in the league last year. They're bottom five pace this year. And I'm just not sure if it's going to turn around. I have watched a lot of their games mostly because I just really like Nikola Jokic. So I like watching him play. And one thing I've definitely noticed, and I think I brought this up the other day, is a lot of their offense is running post-ups for Paul Millsap, which just really slows the pace of the game down because just 15 to 20 seconds of their offensive possession is just Paul Millsap backing somebody down while everybody stands and watches him. So I think that that's been a big reason for the slower pace. But their prices have come way down. I really like Jamal Murray at 4500 I don't think he's a good cash game play. Uh, not unusable in cash games, but a really, really good GPP play. Because I think at 4500 like Murray's somebody who I'm just really high on in general. He had his first good game of the year uh, last time out. And Atlanta last year allowed the most fantasy points to point guards of any other team in the league. Part of the reason is because Dennis Schroeder is a really bad defensive point guard, and he's questionable to play tomorrow. So even if he plays, I think it's possible that maybe his conditioning isn't 100%. Or, I mean, even if he is 100%, he's a bad defender. But the idea that he might be 95 or 90%, that would only make him a worse defender. So Jamal Murray, I think a really strong GPP play. Paul Millsap at 6,300, I think it's a little bit too cheap for him. And then from the Atlanta side of the game, it's really hard to draw any conclusions until we find out whether Schroeder's playing or not. Yeah, I also think it's kind of hard to draw conclusions from the Nuggets side of the game without Schroeder playing because Schroeder is going to lead to, well, bad defense, like you said, but also just a more up-tempo game. 
So I would think if we don't know whether or not Schroeder is playing, then we can't really make a fully informed opinion on the Nuggets. But either way, I would say the Nuggets are undervalued. They just could be especially undervalued if Schroeder's in the lineup. So would you agree that it probably helps Denver if Schroeder's playing? Because he's a good player. He just he would speed up the game and also just be bad defensively, which helps the Nuggets too. Well, the other thing I also think is just because the Nuggets do have a lot of talent on their roster and the Hawks just don't. This is Without Schroeder, it's probably the worst uh, roster in the league. I mean, they lost to the Bulls tonight without Schroeder. So I think that there's a decent amount of blowout risk if Schroeder doesn't play just because how much better the Nuggets are. And if Schroeder does play, I think that even though there's some chance of blowout, I think it becomes a little less likely if Schroeder's playing. Yeah, that, that also is true. So I'm, for all of those reasons, going to be much higher on the Nuggets if Schroeder's in. And as for the Hawks... I guess there is some value if he sits because there's guys getting extra minutes that don't normally get them. But Schroeder's missed a couple games already, so I think that the Hawks are sort of priced up to accommodate his potential absence. Is there anyone on the Hawks that you think is a good value play? Um, I guess independent of Schroeder, is there anyone there that's underpriced? Because it seems like they've all gotten a little bit more expensive. Uh, Mike Muscat, 3300 Oh yeah, same price as he was on... Thursday night. I imagine he'll be a really high-owned player coming off a monster game at such a cheap price. Um, just scanning their roster. I don't see a ton. I do always like Dwayne Dedman for GPPs, though. He's only 4400 and he had a pretty good game on Thursday night. He's a really high-variance player for fantasy purposes because he fouls a lot, and he's relying on block shots. So you could easily have a dud. You could easily have a pretty good game where he gets a few blocks and stays in the game and plays a lot of minutes. So Deadman is GPP only for sure, but I think he's a pretty good value guy from the Hawks too. I just don't think there's enough upside in him. Uh, so five games with the Hawks this year, the most points he scored is 26 DraftKings points. So while that's not a bad result for a 4,400 price tag, like if his ceiling is high 20s points, I just don't know if it's good enough to roster in a GPP considering what the downside is. Uh, I guess that's fair. Um, he, he does seem as though he's just had bad games this year and – maybe the better game is still coming, but I guess that's well, a fair the, point. The biggest issue is that uh, he only plays center and John Collins only plays center. John Collins, other than Schroeder, the best young player on the Hawks roster, and they've just been splitting the minutes. So it's hard for me to see a situation where the Hawks say, hey, we're just not going to play John Collins a lot of minutes. We're going to give a lot of minutes to an old Dwayne Deadman who's not a part of our future. That's that's really the big reason that I don't see Deadman getting 30-plus minutes because he hasn't logged a single minute of power forward this year, and neither is John Collins. Both of them have just exclusively played center minutes. Yeah, I guess it's more likely that Deadman gets in foul trouble and Collins plays a lot of minutes too uh, compared to the scenario where Collins gets in foul trouble and Deadman plays a lot of minutes because Collins is coming off the bench. He's starting out with – he's probably entering the game late in the first quarter with no fouls. It's going to take more for Collins to be in foul trouble by the end of the third because he's playing – after Deadman plays. So Deadman could get into foul trouble earlier than Collins could. I guess it is still possible, though, that Collins isn't playing well or is in foul trouble too. But Deadman is also a lot cheaper than Collins. Maybe fading them both is the strategy, but I guess I'll I'll just reiterate that you definitely should not be using Dwayne Deadman in cash games. So the final... Uh, I don't know why I said the final game. Here we go. Uh, many I'll more say games left. The next game... The, my probably my favorite game to stack. I don't know why that came out as the final game. I was I meant to say my favorite game to stack 
is the Brooklyn Nets at the New York Knicks. There's a really high total for this game. Neither team is really excessively priced. D'Angelo Russell has been ruled out again. So Spencer Dinwiddie starting a point guard, 5,200. I think he's usable at that price. Uh, I much prefer Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Karis LeVert. I think those are really strong plays for tomorrow night. Uh, I think that they're. I just think they're both better players than Dinwiddie, and I think they have more upside than Dinwiddie. Uh, and also that Dinwiddie was really good in the Nets' last game, so I figure that he will be the highest owned of those three players. And while Dinwiddie did play a very good game, and he was somebody who I was really low on last year, I do think this is a better opportunity for him to succeed just because no Brook Lopez on the roster, so there's more usage to go around. There's just there's nobody to really take shots. But Spencer Dinwiddie hit uh, 58% of his shots last game. He hit almost all his threes. He's not going to do that again. So the 40-point game is most likely not going to happen. I think he's in play. I think he's fine as a cash game play. But for GPPs, I definitely prefer Hollis Jefferson and Levert, who are better players and should be lower-owned at the same price. And then from the Knicks side of the game, there's nobody on the Nets roster who's going to be able to guard Kristaps Porzingis. That's kind of the same for every team in the NBA. There isn't a lot of people who could guard Porzingis, so I think he's a good play. Tim Hardaway Jr., I struggle with because it's too cheap for him. He's going to produce better than that, except he's playing with a bad ankle right now, and that's definitely impacting his play right now. So the question is, when is he going to get healthy, and when is he going to start playing better? Like, I'm going to use him in GPPs tomorrow. I'm not going to use him in cash games, but I don't feel great about him. Uh, but it's more that I do expect him to be somebody who's priced in the six to 7000 range based on his talent and the amount of usage he's going to have in the offense by the end of the season. And the Knicks invested a lot of money in him. He's going to play a lot of minutes. They're very committed to him. But he's just not healthy right now. Yeah, I mostly agree with everything you're saying. So I'll mention the Vegas info first before weighing in. The Knicks are actually seeing a bunch of sharp money. The Knicks have looked really bad by any account so far this season. And the Nets actually have, I think it's two wins. And they, they're coming off a home win against Cleveland. So recency bias has the public towards the Nets. But the Knicks have moved from one-point favorites to two-and-a-half-point favorites anyway. And I think that'll probably be reflected a little bit in DraftKings' ownership too. Porzingis and Hardaway were both really bad in their last game against the Celtics. So those are my two favorite players from the game. Your point on Hardaway being injured I think is fair. So I'll say it makes sense to only be using um, only be using Hardaway for cash and not for GPPs. But from the Nets side, I think all the guys could be cash plays too, just because everyone's kind of underpriced and it is a good matchup against the Knicks, who aren't good defensively either. I think Hollis Jefferson and Levert are the better GPP plays compared to Dinwiddie, who had a really big game against Cleveland, but like you said, just isn't very good. So my favorite players from the game are Hollis Jefferson, Levert, and Porzingis. And then Hardaway for GPPs, I think. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm kind of undecided on how much to use of him. I'll say some at least. But it's, it's tough because this game is a 220-point total, and theoretically there should be a lot of players to use. But the Knicks just don't have anyone else who's good, and the Nets are so inconsistent with their minutes that I'm having a hard time finding any other players to look at. Are, are there any other guys you're considering from these two teams? No, not really. Yeah, it's just, it's just unfortunate <laughs> because these teams are so bad that we kind of just have to focus on a couple players. I mean, Trevor Booker has played well, but he's up to 5,600 now. Tamari Carroll has played well, pulling up his price. He's at 5,500. Carroll's usable, I'd say, but nothing special. So probably just the guys that we've mentioned. So the next game on the slate, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Minnesota Timberwolves. From the uh, Thunder side of the game, 
I'm just kind of off them right now. It's I think the prices are a little bit too high. Westbrook at eleven thousand four hundred, Paul George at seventy seven hundred. That's not like ridiculously high, but still for this matchup, I think this is going to be a pretty down pace game for both teams. Uh, Thunder, one of the better defensive teams in the league. Then the Timberwolves, still a lot of talent, but just kind of figuring it out. And from the Timberwolves side of the game, it's hard to really know what to make of them because Jimmy Butler still questionable with that illness. If he is able to play, I think he's a reasonable GPP play at 7,000. If he isn't able to play, then I think Carl Anthony Towns is a solid play at 8,600 because of the expected usage boost. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Towns, if Butler isn't in for sure. And Shabazz Muhammad, is he still on your radar? Uh, he had a- no, his, his price went way up. Yeah, he's up to 4,000 now. Wow. Okay, so I would say he's not even usable, even if Butler is out. So no Shabazz. He's just not a good player anyway. Um Pulling up the Vegas info for this game, too, because I think there was some... Oh, this game actually doesn't have Vegas information yet, either, because of It's because of the Butler injury, yeah. or illness. So, I guess I don't have a ton of interest in this game, really, then. You also just kind of have to wait to see like what happens, and then maybe somebody starts instead of Shabazz Muhammad if Butler doesn't play, but I think Butler is a very risky GPP play that makes sense with a lot of upside at only 7,000. Uh, still a tough matchup for him. But if we find out early in the day he's fully healthy over the illness, I think he should be a low-owned GPP play. People are not going to want to roster him. Yeah, so I, the, I think there definitely will be an anti-Jimmy Butler bias for sure if he's, if yes, he's in definitely. the lineup. I'm as, I'm as anti-Jimmy Butler as anybody right now, except in terms of using him for GPP, I'd be fine with that. Because my biases generally only last for one day. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. You can use him even if you hate him. Yeah, I was. Well, I was. De- I definitely hated him uh, on what was it? Was that Wednesday? Yeah. What day was that? Now Wednesday. Yeah. So so that night I was as anti Jimmy Butler as anybody could be, but I'm I'm kind of over it now. The next game on the slate, the Washington Wizards at Golden State Warriors, and this is a game. Is it going to be a blowout or is it not going to be a blowout? Because if it's a close game, John Wall should have a monster game. Bradley Beal could have a really big game, and then any of the Warrior stars could have a big game. Uh, let's see what the prices are for the Warrior side. Uh, I think Kevin Durant at 9400 and Draymond Green at 7400 I think that those two are both cash game playable, and then everybody else is GPP only for me from this game. Yeah, I think GPP mostly for sure. I'm willing to bet that this game isn't going to be a blowout. It's a spread of only 10.5. There's not really much of a sharp indicator yet, but 10.5 points is not a ton. And I think that there's a decent amount of floor for GPPs anyway because the game has to be pretty out of hand by the start of the fourth quarter for the starters to not even play in the fourth at all. And even if the Warriors end up winning by 15 to 20 points, they may go into the fourth with only a 10 or 12-point lead. So even if the starters aren't playing it at the end of the game, they're playing for most of it anyway. I think the Wizards are good enough where we shouldn't expect them to get run out of the building here. So this is a really good spot to stack I think for sure it has the highest total of any game on the slate. Opened at 231.5. It's down to 230.5, but that's still a really high number even if it opened a little too high. So I think there are tons of players that are in play here. I think that just about every wizard starter would be a decent bet. Uh, How are the prices on guys like Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter? Have they gone up significantly? Um, I think uh, yes on Otto Porter. And I think that's a tough matchup for Porter. Like Porter is going to be guarded by Draymond Green, I think, for a lot of this game. Or Kevin so, Durant, which still wouldn't be very good either. 
And then uh, Ubre at 4,900. I think that's a little bit too high for him, too. Like, I like him when he was in, like, the high 3,000, low 4,000 range. It's just that's just a little bit too expensive for me for him. Yeah, I think uh, Wall for sure is in play, Beal and uh, Gortat. I think Gortat, of all those guys, he's a little too cheap. I think he'd be my favorite Wizards player. But if you're stacking the game, makes sense to go with Wall and Gortat or Beal and Gortat. Would you use Wall and Beal together for this matchup in GPPs, or do you think they negatively correlate too much? Because this is a no, high they, enough they, pace uh, game. They, they, they positively correlate. Oh, do they? Okay. Even though it's the sort of situation where you'd expect with two ball-dominant guards, I guess sometimes it just doesn't play out that way. Um, maybe. A lot of a lot of Beal's three pointers get assisted by Wall, so I think that's I think that's the reason why they had a strong positive correlation last year. All right, fair enough. So I'm I'm cool with using them together, and then all Warriors starters too, except for probably Zaza Pachulia. But they're they're big four fantasy producers, uh, and then Gortat, Wall, and Beal. I think all all seven of those guys should make it into a bunch of GPP lineups. So the actual final game on the slate, the Toronto Raptors at the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's see. We have uh, Jonas Valanciunas is out. Uh, Bebe is out. Lucas Nogueira. So who is going to start at center for the Raptors? Is it going to be Serge Ibaka at 5,200? That's too cheap for Ibaka in this matchup anyway. I like him a lot. That's a really strong play. Uh, I think I prefer Lowry to DeRozan in this matchup. I think DeRozan probably gets guarded by KCP. KCP is a good defender. Um, Lowry is going to get de- defended by Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Balls look decent on defense so far, except um, I, I prefer to side with Lowry in that matchup. Like Generally, either Lowry or DeRozan, one of them have a good game. I think it's more likely Lowry has a good game than DeRozan. So I think it's uh, Lowry and Ibaka are the, are the people I like from Toronto. And then from the Lakers side of the game, they're pricing Alonzo Ball at 7,100 against Lowry. No, Lowry's a good defensive player. Brooke Lopez at 6,000. No. There's not really anybody I'm interested in the Lakers. This is a down pace game for them. The Raptors are one of the better defensive teams in the league. So not, I don't really have a lot of interest in the Lakers side. Yeah, especially not Brooke Lopez, who costs the same 6,000 that he cost last game, and he did not play a lot of minutes. I don't think that you can rely on him, and it's a much tougher matchup than he had against the Wizards going against Toronto. So I think I'm off the Lakers, too. Uh, Abaka and Lowry make sense. I won't be stacking this game, but Abaka and Lowry just plugging in as value plays to other lineups I think are uh, good guys to use. So that will wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, GEarenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we will be back on Monday and if I have time, I might just record a podcast by myself tomorrow night for the Saturday slate if that, if that ends up looking like a good one.